2: Welcome to the Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Irish Cattle and Chief Farmers Association President Dermot Kelleher, IFA Chief Economist and Policy Director Ty Buckley, and also the ICMSA President, Mr. Pat McCormick. First of all, Pat, welcome to the program. Now, the newly announced Office of Fairness and Transparency in the agri-food chain is the ICWC actually represented on the board of this new
3: office? Well, look, that board hasn't been fully established yet. Um, we're certainly negotiating in, in, in talks with the department about how meaningful that board needs to be um, because it's absolutely critical that, you know, the word fairness there is a critical word. Uh, and we need to see fairness among the supply chain and unfortunately we haven't seen that uh, down through the last 20, 25 years and some people would say well before them even.
2: Now, Pat, we've seen a whole lot of false dawns. We had various reports with the beef plan, and uh, then we found it was Grant Thornton. There were certain questions they couldn't ask. There was people's constitutional rights, and there were legal challenges. But do you feel now that if this works, if the Office of Fairness and Transparency actually works for the Agri-Food Chain, that we mightn't even need the food ombudsman that the farming organisations and farmers have been clamouring for for years?
3: Well, you know, it depends on the level of teeth, obviously. They need to be in a position to, to make changes, make recommendations and change practices. They need to be in a position, I suppose, to, to, to have a delivery there, for ve- an emerge there for all elements of the food chain. And that's a critical thing as we move forward, because in the past we haven't had that. And that, that has proved, you know, difficult for the primary producer in particular, who became the price very much the price taker.
2: Below-cost selling a food, that is something that you would like, I imagine the Office of Fairness and Transparency, to scrutinise and examine and find out once and for all what is happening that the farmer producer is only getting a fraction of the person who looks at the stuff, handles it, and then gets his cut?
3: Without a doubt, uh, give, give maybe 24 30 months uh, for bearing an animal or, you know, to produce milk uh, and to, to be in a position where everybody knows uh, what that producer is receiving as an in price Uh, The difficulty is we don't know the costs along the chain uh, and the the level of margin that's there. And, uh, you know, if one sector of the chain is having an excessive margin, it's detrimental to the rest of the chain because it's it's not sustainable uh, in the long term. And, you know, we need to see a sustainable industry, whether it's dairy, beef, tillage, pig, poultry, as we move forward. And in particular, I suppose, the last couple of weeks have highlighted that food security is 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 a real issue of, but 2022 and not just something uh, it's confined to the history books.
2: The invasion of the Ukraine by the Russian army, that is something that is going to have an immediate and longer term impact on Ireland. And we will understand here the importance of being able to produce enough food to feed ourselves and even after that export <coughs> billions of euro worth of food abroad. The war in the Ukraine, that is something which I feel will bring home very quickly to people the value of self-sustainability.
3: Without a doubt. And look, I have no doubt, we, as a population, we'll obviously have to feed ourselves. I believe we'd have radical change and misfortune not to be in that position. But to drive our rural economy across 25 of the 26 counties, it's imperative that we have a, a vibrant agriculture. And, uh, you know, I suppose there are huge issues out there with Russia and the Ukraine, obviously, and their grip on, and the consequences of what's happening out there on fertilizer and indeed grain supplies, uh, not long now, but indeed for the winter ahead. And that's hugely challenging. And we're involved in the, the fodder and feed uh, group. And we met in Moorpark there during the week and with over 70% of farmers indicating that they're going to cut back on fertilizer usage. Uh, it's hugely concerning because we're heading into the peak growth period over the next couple of weeks. And uh, we need to maximise what grass can be grown for grazing and for forest conservation.
2: If you had to list some of the most pressing issues for ICMSA members, what would those issues be?
3: Obviously it's the cost and availability of feed, fertiliser and fuel uh, for the months ahead. Uh, we, we're getting a, pr- a price for our products that we had never received before, but there's even more being returned from the marketplace. And we'd encourage all, all sectors along the chain uh, to row in because the primary producer has an unprecedented level of cost. So we need to see that delivered upon in in the weeks ahead and indeed in the next round of milk checks. Equally, I suppose, you know, there's huge environmental aspirations out there and we're involved in the dairy focus group. And, uh, you know, there needs to be uh, a change or an improvement in the trend on water quality. And we need to see that that trend improve over the coming weeks and months and and years as well. Uh, And obviously we need to see the sector continue to have opportunity to expand and grow
2: now, the BEEP, s scheme, the BEEP S scheme, would you recommend your members to apply for that? Because the general feeling is when people look at it, they feel this is something which is good for the beef sector.
3: Yeah, look, without a doubt, whether it's the beef scheme or the dairy calf beef scheme, uh, I think it's good to monitor progress uh, on-farm because, you know, we need efficiencies and we need to be in a position to meet various targets. And uh, I think that has to be positive and, and farmers should engage. Uh, They need to seriously evaluate the reasons that are coming up with why they wouldn't be involved.
2: Dairy beef, I know there's been a lot of controversial comments about that and people have taken entrenched positions, but as President of the ICMC, do you feel the dairy beef concept has any merits at all or should be studied and perhaps um, amended a bit to to make it as another line of uh, revenue for the dairy and stroke beef sector?
3: Yeah, look, I think dairy, dairy beef has a huge part to play. Obviously, with nearly 55% of the kill coming from the dairy herd, uh, it's a significant part of the beef industry here, and we need to integrate them. While we welcome the initial dairy calf to beef scheme, we were very, very disappointed with the five-minute oral allocations uh, for, for the months and years ahead. Uh, we feel it's nowhere near adequate, uh, given you know what's been made available to, to other sectors of the beef industry.
2: And very important, when people look for milk in their tea, they prefer have fresh milk. But would you see a question mark over fresh milk unless that situation is reviewed in terms of what the farmer is getting to produce milk in the winter, fresh milk in the winter for your tea or coffee?
3: Look, it's going to be hugely challenging fresh milk. Very hard for the primary producers to take all the risk. Such volatile times.
2: And to sum up, Pat, can we take it that the ICMC will be... Fighting very hard to make sure they are represented on the board of the new Office of Fairness and Transparency to make sure this is not just another false stone. That this time there will be a close scrutiny and testing of the various people along the food chain who get money. You know, vis-à-vis what the farmer gets.
3: Without a doubt, John, and what's more, as I can assure you, if we do get representation there, which hopefully we will, uh, you know, we will be fighting for the the betterment of the family farm and the family farm structure and the primary producer because, you know, we have a unique model out there uh, right around Europe and indeed globally and we need to protect that uh, at a time when farming is getting a significant passion out there uh, in, in national media.
2: Thank you very much indeed, Mr Pat McCormick, National President of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, ICMSA. Thank you, Pat, very much indeed. Thanks a million.
3: Thank you, John. You're very welcome.
2: Hello, Pat. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Tyg Buckley. He's the Chief Economist of the IFA and Director of Policy for the IFA. Tyg, welcome to the programme. Now, we know there's a great deal of volatility in the whole agri sector, but recently the IFA issued a very important report. You might give us some details of that report.
4: Yeah, that's correct, John. Uh, so recently we we, uh, we commissioned uh, Jim Power, um the Economist to carry out uh, a study on the horticulture sector, the Irish horticulture sector, and future viability of the sector, given the pressure that that, that specific sector is on, is under at the moment, due to uh, the, a real price cost squeeze. And in fairness, the price cost squeeze that horticulture is particularly facing is is something that's been that's been asked that many other sectors of Irish agriculture are facing, uh, I suppose in particular at the moment our pigs, poultry and uh, potato sectors as well, where we see very similar issues that the horticulture sector are facing in that their costs are spiralling and we haven't seen prices at retail level in Ireland moving in accordance with the way the cost of production has moved. And I suppose what the Jim Powell, uh, his analysis showed was that in the last 11 years, the price of food at a retail level has actually fallen by 9% in real terms, while the price of other consumer goods has increased by 13%. And then over the past 12 months, the price of food, retail food has only increased by 1.6%, while the input prices for farmers in general have gone up by about 26%. What the report and study showed is that There is a huge dichotomy between the way that retail prices of food have gone in the last period versus how costs have gone. And, you know, unless nobody wants to be to be facing higher food prices at a retail level from a consumer perspective. But the reality is, John, that unless uh, that that is addressed and what the return to farmer increases, we're going to face real problems in many of our key sectors in the Irish farming economy.
2: Now, the new proposed Office of Fairness and Transparency is that likely to test and scrutinize the fairness of the existing price structure, existing chain, you know, and touching on below-cost selling. And, of course, inevitably, we might expect some legal challenges because we know what happened with Grant Thornton and trying to find out uh, what was at the bottom of the beef sector, but would you welcome in general, as the IFA Director of Policy and IFA Chief Economist, Mr Tyke would you welcome the just announced bill entitled the Office of Fairness and Transparency Creation? So that bill, is that likely to help the situation we've been talking about?
4: Well, uh, uh, but the first thing is it, 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 it's 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 great that it's now being uh, put in place. I suppose we're waiting a while for it. The, this is arising from a, a European led directive, an EU directive, which was uh, announced in 2019, the Unfair Trading Practices Directive. So it's good that it, and now I know it's a, you know we're, we're probably nearly two and a half years on, nearly three years on, but it, that it's now being put in place. And I suppose absolutely, I think it's a very welcome and positive step. I think the key thing, John, will be what sort of powers this this office will have, um, and I think that will really dictate how successful it will, the office will be in trying to tackle the return that's going back to the farmer from the value chain. Because we know, if if we look at um, uh, some analysis that was done by the by the European Commission, they looked at. What's called the value chain, so the food value chain, uh, from going right from the farmer to the to the consumer, and what they have found is that the share of that value chain that's going back to the Irish farmer is about 18% at the moment, and that figure, if you take the EU average of that, is actually 25%. So we know that at the moment, Irish farmers are not getting their fair share of the value chain, and so this is a great opportunity now to try and reverse that trend and try and balance it so that farmers get a better percentage of the overall chain, the value chain that's in the food uh, system to make sure that um, you know that farmers who are producing this food, producing some of the highest quality food in Europe and across the globe, are properly rewarded for their efforts.
2: Now, would you still feel there's a need for a food ombudsman, despite the enactment of this Fairness and Transparency Bill, if this works this Fairness and Transparency Bill if this scrutinises fairness of below cost selling etc, do you still think we'll need a food ombudsman Tyke?
4: If this office is, you know, is given proper powers this will do, This certainly will, will, will play the role of, of the, do the role of that of the, of the food ombudsman. So I, this can do the, the, the job that we need once they're they're given the powers to allow them to be able to to uh i suppose to uh, to ensure that there's transparency and they can go and see well who is getting what part in the value. you mentioned the grant thorns report and that really did show up the challenges that there is in trying to establish who is making what margin within the the whole chain so this this office will do that role john if it's given the proper powers and I suppose as part of the, the what we when we looked at the the agriculture uh, sector, and that sector is just one. I mean, it's just one of a number of sectors. And say, uh, we we one of the things that we felt coming out of that was there needed to be a ban on below cost selling. That was there before. Uh, I think it was removed in around 2006. Uh, so up to 2006, from 1987 to 2006, there was a ban on below cost selling of groceries, but that actually was removed in 2006. And we think that came much, you know. Given the, the pressures that are on under farmers, and I suppose farmers are operating, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, operating in terms of selling their produce and dealing with very very large multiples in terms of the retail side and large processors as well, that they do need that type of protection, because we all know that the pressures that are in terms of inflation are on at the moment. But actually, if you look over the last 12 months, the price of potatoes has dropped by 4%, the price of pork has dropped by about 1%, and the price of eggs have only gone up by 1%. And there are three defectors sectors that are under real pressure at the moment. And so really, given the way the costs are going, it's hard to understand how those, those prices, how some prices have actually even dropped in the last 12 months. And that's why we do need uh, the office that you've mentioned to be able to tackle this and ensure that... That, uh, that we address the, the, the transparency across the chain.
2: And to sum up, speaking to Mr. Tyg Buckley, Director of Policy for the IFA and also the IFA Chief Economist, Tyg, what's the next step after this report? What will the next uh, stage be in ensuring that farmers get something remotely like a fair price for all the primary production they do?
4: So I thought the next thing would be to see, we, we know that... You know the, the 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 office of the the office of food regulator was announced during the week. So we, I suppose, the next step now would be to see the, what sort of powers that that office is given, and I suppose that that will probably be the next step in it. So, listen, it's a very positive development because we have been waiting for a while. So it's good that it's it's getting enacted, and and it's it, you know it's it's very a top opportune time at the moment. Given challenges we're facing that farmers are facing across all sectors in terms of the way that inputs are going at the moment obviously we, we, we've we got a, a real crisis on our hands you know across europe now from a food security perspective due to what's going on in ukraine which in fairness you know why we have real challenges here when you it, it is we do have to put it in context when we look at the problems ukrainian farmers are facing in terms of not being able to even sow crops and, and facing huge uh, huge uh, humanitarian issues in the country there's a real uh, uh, a massive increase in the price of feed, fuel, and fertilizer in particular. And that's going to have knock-on consequences every single farmer in the country. It's going to lead to an increase, in, obviously, in direct inputs such as feed and fertilizer and diesel, but also that's going to have a huge impact on the price of contractors, who will have no choice but to pass on uh, a significant price increases given the, the way the raw materials are going. And, you know, other things we've seen the price of bale wrap increasing. So this is going to feed into increased prices across the, the chain. So from a food security perspective, we need to make sure that we can maximise production across the country in 2022 and 2023. And in fairness, we have seen the tillage scheme announced this week, which will be which will help in in terms of uh, incentivising more uh, tillage ground. But we know, John, that only certain parts of the country can achieve that. Um, and there's an awful lot of the country where you know growing crops doesn't make sense from soil type and climate and that. And those parts of the country haven't really been looked after at all yet in the first scheme, and they do need to be looked after because. We do need to maximize production, whether it be uh, grain or, or grass and, and grass, the you know, because I, I, I suppose the big thing that we need to make sure is that we produce enough feed and fodder in 2022 to sustain us through the winter of 22 into 23 and make sure that we can weather the storm as best we can.
2: Is there any place where people, where listeners can look at this report and read this report? Is it online by any chance, Tyg? Yeah, it's
4: on our website. So, so John, so if, if you just uh, Google uh, IFA horticultural Report um, and, or if you just link, log on to our website, it's, it's there to, for anyone to see.
2: That's great. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Tyg Buckley, Chief Economist, IFA, and also Director of Policy for the IFA. Thank you, Tyg, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. A 12 million euro scheme to encourage tillage farmers to grow more crops was approved by the Cabinet earlier this week. The war in Ukraine has had a considerable impact on agriculture and supply chains. Farmers will get 400 euro for each additional hectare of grain grown this year. Agriculture Minister Charlie McCullough says the scheme is badly needed because of the effects the war is having. About 30% of the grain that is exported around the world comes from either Ukraine or Russia. And 60% of the grain that we use within Ireland is imported. So I've been uh, very much forthright in in relation to trying to encourage and create a national effort to grow more grain within our own country to secure our supplies for the year ahead. So today I'm bringing to Cabinet a memo which will see farmers incentivized to grow additional grain. It will pay up to €400 euro per hectare for each additional hectare of grain grown this year. And I've no doubt from the response i have received so far from farmers across the country that there will be a very strong response to this because it is important that we do all we can within our own capacity to ensure that that we have security supply over the the year ahead. And the best way to do that is to increase the amount of grain that we grow domestically. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Ms Caroline Jennings, Public Relations Officer for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Well, Caroline, welcome to the programme. You've got some updates on uh, ploughing events and indeed uh, a wrap-up of uh, weekend events. Yes, I do,
5: John, and thank you. On Sunday, the 20th of March, uh, Kilmeen Association held their annual prime match on the lands of John and Dexon Bottomer, Gary Rossmore. The results are as follows. The conventional senior, first, Kieran Copley, second, John Murphy, third, Jim Grace, fourth, John P. O'Donovan. The intermediate, first, John A. O'Donovan. There was a tie for second with Stanley Dean and Jack Kirby and fourth was Jackie O'Driscoll. The under 21 first, Noel Nine, second Jeff Witcherly and third, James Jennings. In the under 28th, there was one competitor and that was James O'Sullivan. In the Makra there was also one competitor and that was Andrew O'Donovan. The ladies had one competitor and that was Katie Hayes. The three furrow, uh, conventional, first, Matt Matt Cokley and second, Cyril McGuire. The reversible senior, we we had two competitors and the first was Jer Coakley and second was Liam O'Driscoll. Three furrow reversible, there was one competitor and that was Tim Lawler. Vintage, single furrow, uh, Gordon Jennings. Two furrow hydraulic, first Dennis Cummins, second John O'Neill and third was Mike Coomey and fourth was Michael Welch. The confined hydraulic, first Jer Collins, second PJ O'Donovan, third Sean McCarthy, And then in the trainer vintage, we had John O'Wolf, the only competitor. Now, the next time match to be held is the county, and it is to be hosted by Kilbritton Ploughing Association. This is to be held on tomorrow, Sunday, the 27th of March, weather permitting, on the lands of the Draper family, Arti Taig, Kilbritton. And the air code for that is P72YY60. Please note note that there is a later starting time at 11.30 a.m. on tomorrow. Um, Entries should be with Rachel O'Driscoll on 087 624 6713 by 12 noon today, Saturday the 26th of March.
2: Caroline, would you please give us that number again, the number people should contact if they want to take part in the ploughing competitions?
5: No problem, John. Um, The entries should be with Rachel O'Driscoll on 087-624-6713. And please note that the, the later time of starting at 11.30am. Thank you, John.
2: That's fine. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Plowing Association. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Dermot Keller, National President of the ICSA, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. Dermot, welcome to the programme. Now, sometimes John? You're very welcome to have it. Now, something your organization, the ICSA, and other organizations, indeed, have been campaigning for for years and years, the establishment of an ombudsman or some similar type of overview. What do you feel about the establishment, the announcement of the Office for Fairness?
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
2: And transparency announced on 23rd of March. Well, John,
6: we welcome the announcement. I would welcome the announcement today by the minister about this new office of fairness and transparency, because we know it's here. Looking for this, going back to 2014, <coughs> the first time I asked Minister Corby, he was very reluctant, and in the end, he agreed that it should be done, and that's why on ever since. Um, like it can't make much sense that farmers are getting less and less. And they're getting their than they were getting years ago, and the consumers think a lot more. Um, ICC has continuously look for honesty on who gets for what in the meat industry. I mean, we can produce the best grass-fed and well with beef and lamb in Europe, possibly in the world. While primary producers can hardly make a living, a lot of the farmers are only barely surviving. And the big processors and the big retailers, the Aldis and Diddles and Duns and all these people, they're all multi-millionaires and on the backs of of farmers that can hardly afford to pay their their, their way. You know, no one does something very wrong when that's happening.
2: Now, Dermot, the so-called UTP, unfair trading practices, I understand that the ICSA, you want to have this office with some powers. You want to have an office with teeth to enforce rulings.
6: If they havingt the power to see when the beef task force was running and Bre Tarnton was making a report, they actually couldn't do the report it was useless because they couldn't compel retailers or processors to to admit what they were making and what they were giving and what they were taking. I mean this money let this this officer have to have the, the power that people will know. What farmers are getting? What the next fellow is is, is 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 getting? Because when I think about this, 40 years ago, I'm farming for over 40 years. When I grew up milking, I was getting a pound and eight pence a gallon, which is more than what they're getting today. I saw we saw Cat on the boat in for Libya at 56 pound a hundredweight in pounds now. I mean that compared to the buying power of that money compared to today is very, very poor. Very poor, I mean, I saw a bullock going back 20, 30 years ago, a very good bullock, make up to a thousand pound. A thousand pound, that same John is like the latter today.
2: So, David, what you're saying is you definitely want to see this new office, the Office for Fairness and Transparency. It must have the necessary powers, the necessary teeth to enforce any negative findings it has regarding unfairness. And you have this new expression, UTP, unfair trading practices. So, yeah,
6: and we actually have we have we have a member who's out there bringing proof to his office. I don't have to go to anything, but we have. We intend to walk hard on, 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 on this, John, because, like, farmers can't be used as the whipping the boy anymore. And do you, know, do you realize, John, and your listeners realize that when you go into a supermarket and you get two steaks for the price of one, or you get um, a leg of lamb half price for the bank holiday weekend, that's all put into that price of the Saturday year, and to the farmers paying for all that, all that. We don't get two steaks for the price of one, they keep their margin. The processors keep their margin, the middlemen keep their margin, the shop keeps their margin, and the only man that have no margin is the poor man back at the back. And, and that is absolutely scandalous. We don't think about it in all honesty.
2: Now, free meat, we never find in the supermarket, to my knowledge, a section where spring lamb that was a bit too high in weight is free. So the ICSA sheep chairman, you're Mr. Shaw McNamara, he wants the lower weight limits for spring lamb to be scrapped and that payable weights should start no lower than 22 kgs. So it's very important that, in fact, now on a patriotic note, Sean McAmaris says the processors must do their bit for sheep farmers and commit to paying for up to 22 kgs at the very minimum all year round, regardless of the religious feasts of Easter or Id. That is
6: quite correct, John. I mean, if you're sending a lamb and he kills out at 25, 26 kilos, the last three or four kilos, they don't pay you for it. And I'm, I'm getting old now, John, but I never yet saw any any supermarket, or I never had any woman say to me that piece of lamb was was free because that lamb was over the, to, over the, the, weight. I mean, it's to think that a farmer can sit in a lamb, and if he's three or four kilos over, and it is still lamb, it's still food, that that is free. They won't pay for that because it's over some way that they picked out of, their, out of their out of their out of this and that to me is wrong but that's only that's another way of taking money off of and old chairman is adamant that this this thing of court 20 kilos and 21 kilos is, is such a shocking Now he said they got to these kilos, i believe that whatever whatever the lamb kills, kills that should be paid and no more about it i mean if we went to the shop shop for a Couple of pounds or something, and, buy, and they put it up in the weigh and They don't give you the last couple of ounces for fun, 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 nothing, because it could be over the weight. You understand what I'm saying, to you John?
2: Of course I do. And the public mightn't understand that too clearly about how that illogical situation could arise, where because a lamb is a certain weight, but well, then the farmer isn't paid for that meat, but that can that goes on to be sold in the supermarket or or in the outlet. Now, staying with sheep, we have a connection here between. Fertilizer costs and feed costs. Sheep, you know, regardless of the weights, they're going to be hit very badly if there's any further worsening of the fertilizer situation and the feed situation for the coming year.
6: No, John, there's a new committee. There's a new committee for them. We've had two meetings already. Um, just called the National Father and Food Security Committee. Um, so then Park the last day Moore Park is it's pretty odd industry, say, all the industry stakeholders three together. People like the department, the t- targets, the banks, farmers, co-ops, fertilizer and oil distributors to try and come make some sense of what's happening in the Ukraine and what's happening with fertilizer and iron and so on now. Why see they're looking for a voucher for fertilizer of fifty percent of what you spent last year up to a maximum of two thousand. If only it's been three last year, you only get one and a half back, you understand. Now, we also have a problem with the winter finishers. They're at in hotel and they're quite a lot of soiled, and they, they're cattle in the summertime, and they finish them over the winter. And that's a very expensive time to be finishing anything. This is all the meal and so on. And with the price of diesel for cutting furries and the price of fertilizer, them winter finishers can't be allowed to take all the risk anymore, John. I mean, just think we buy deer to cattle and we we'll cut deer and spread deer fertiliser, and we we'll, we we'll live in hope that the factories and the, and the supermarkets will give us a few to live on next, next spring. Now, I'm calling on the factories and the retailers to step up to the plate and to fix a price for the, with the finishers for next spring, and if they don't they do it, we're advising farmers don't be filling sheds on Spivik. For these fellas, because it cannot be done. I mean, a lad could lose his shot. I mean, they're out there finishing hundreds of cattle over the winter, and they're only hoping that they'll make you four pounds at the end of the year. And when, when things went wrong a couple years ago, they gave them the beam scheme, and then they come along no, and they take it all back off them again. I mean, this is, this is like stuff you couldn't believe, like. So farmers can't be asked to take all the risks alone while well, all the big the big guys and all the multi-millionaires and sub-processors and retailers that are keeping their margin. That's why we're looking for the, something to be done for the retail, for the winter finishers. do we also want the, the glass scheme to be relaxed? They're looking for more more wheat and barley to be grown. There's thousands of hectares in this country being grown for the birds. Under the glass scheme, you said barley, oats and linnet and you leave it there for the birds. Now so there's 50,000 farmers in glass. If half of them have three hectares apiece in wild bird cover, it's an awful lot of hectares being set for the birds, right? So we maintain that that should be put into production for barley, for animal, animals for producing food or for human consumption. And there's another thing in the glass called low input pasture. I was talking to a man today, 10 hectares above near Mitchellstown, some fantastic land, but it's a in low-input pasture. And he's, he's not allowed to put fertilizer in that. He's allowed to cut one crop cut one of it after the last year, June. I think the way that Europe is and the way the war is going, all that land should be allowed to be put back into production for a year or two until it shots itself out. You know, think of the best, one of the best fields down near the town of Dunmanway on the Bandon River. is being sat for the buds. Not for human consumption, not for animal feed. It's being sat for the birds. Now, when I buy that up, people hacking one of the green PDs that are jumping up and down about the biodiversity. We all have to look after the environment. But in all reality, should we be got human food should be at least, at least as equal to wild bird c- c- cover in my humble opinion.
2: Dermot, how much should beef farmers be getting approximately? What's the minimum beef farmers should receive to barely break even or even lose a little and carry on? What kind of figure in round well, sir, terms? I mean, the way things
6: are gone, we were talking there a couple of weeks ago and we walked out that you'd need five euros a kilo. But since, since, since that, the thing has gone. After a while, as suppose we're somebody up to 60 euros you a kilo now, the fellas, it, it, it makes some kind of a little return. The return won't be very big, but they won't be at a loss. You go into a supermarket and you buy a ball of steak or something and you realize how much you pay for it and you, you walk that back to what a poor farmer is getting. And like, and we've seen this happening before, a farmer having a lamb, you have the oar and she has a lamb and you feed the lamb and you feed the oar for so many, so many weeks and so many months and you sell the lamb and you get, maybe you get so much for the lamb and they can double their money in three days. The, no, and the and the, the, the retailers They'll double their money more than once In the two or three days that that lamb is going through their, their Their business And I think the farmer After all the time And all the slavery And all the days outside the lambing yours That the farmer gets a lot less For all his work Than somebody can get for two or three days Now what, what we were told yesterday At that Me meeting um, At that national father me meeting Was that there's an awful drought on fertiliser. They think there's no fertiliser in this country until the start of, of May. We impressed on them yesterday that every farmer should get his, his bit of fertiliser. And there's no point in one big farmer um, getting all his fertiliser for the year and his neighbours go, go without. So they're after agreeing that they won't allow people to be slid back p- p- it, Do you understand? No, what they did maintain is that there is no big pull in fertilizer in Europe after when you come out the end of May. They they need that fertiliser now for all their crops, but they don't have summer grass like we have here. So they think that fertilizer will the, the demand for fertilizer may, in Europe may reducing in June and they may be able to get more supplies a bit easier. And we also maintain that there should be something done about the green the diesel John, because contractors contractors won't stay going, and if contractors don't stay going, salaries won't be be caught. And if studies won't be caught, cattle can't be, be, be fed. And maybe this um, war in Ukraine is actually beginning to open people's eyes a small little, little bit, because I'm in this job, president's job, for a year and a half, John. And since the very meeting I've gone to it's not only about rewilding and rewetting and biodiversity and farmers cutting back and cutting back and birds and the bees. But maybe a small bit of hunger or a small bit of panic is it, it realise that farmers are very important. And every time you what to the table, you actually need a farmer to pro- provide you with your food.
2: I think people may realise the true value of farmers when we find uh, there are problems with imports for all of the essentials or most of the essentials so people might um, for the first time in a long time fully appreciate the value of having Irish farmers here in Ireland producing food for Ireland as well as the fantastic exports we normally would have yeah but I tell you John there's another thing that has to be there has to be a small bit of real realism
6: i mean we have we have people in this government the, the Greens side in this government and they wanted to cut down the sector herd. We have three quarters of a million, less than three quarters of a million sucking cows in this country. And Brazil are hoping their beef had by 30 million. And all Green Party think that the four cows they'll cut down in Ireland is going to make a difference to the, the world, to the global climate. In our honesty, there's a, there is a, an industrial state and a coal generating station somewhere out near where the, the COVID came from in, in China, in near Wuhan. And that, that generating station and that industrial estate have more emissions than this whole country. We must all do our piece, guaranteed. But why should we do more than our share? And I was talking to a, a very smart man last week and he said the boiler disappeared off the face of the earth. Couldn't make what I ought to do double warning up or, or down. No, that's no answer. We have to do our part, but I don't think why should why should we should be sacrificed for the green agenda for people's ego.
2: Some very important uh, issues covered there. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Dermot Killeher, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President. Thank you, Dermot. Next, Mochar News.
0: Hi John, it's Marie here, Colleague PRO and Shandoon PRO. I have some notes from Macra for this week's Farm Talk. Carberry Macra will host a dinner dance on Saturday, April 2nd at the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. It gets underway from 7pm. On April 22nd, Whitechurch Mocker will host a bingo fundraising night in collaboration with Embrace Farm at Cades County in Glenville. It starts at 8pm. Best of luck to everyone heading to the NTC semi-finals, taking place in two separate venues over one weekend. So on April 2nd in Athboyan County Meath and on April 3rd in Thurles County Tipperary, the final takes place in Mullingar Arts Centre on May 21st. Makras Mr P Weekend takes place on April 8th and 9th. Best of luck to Whitechurch Makras Conor Murphy, who will be representing Shandoon. Keep an eye on our social media pages to see what we're up to. New members are always welcome, and if you join during March, you get 18 months membership for the price of
2: 12. Thank you. Thank you, Mairead. Marie Tuig. And we hope Mairead will soon be feeling well again. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Miss Marie Flynn, Business and Technology Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Office, Moore Park near Famoy in County Cork. First of all, Marie, welcome to the programme. Now we are indeed in very volatile times, but there are some staples which continue. What is the current situation with grass? The grass growth situation on farms at the moment from your visits to clients?
1: Thanks, John. Yeah, it was in the past few weeks the good weather has allowed farmers to catch up on their fertilizer applications. But I suppose up to now the growth rate according to pasture base, up to Tuesday have been below normal at 12 kgs of dry matter per hectare. But with the temperature increase this week, we would expect much higher growth rates if the fertiliser is out and it's ready to grow. I suppose the end of the first rotation is fast approaching us and we need to assess the amount of grass on our farm to determine when we expect to start the second rotation. Most most farms will aim to start the second rotation from roughly from the 5th to the fifteenth of April, depending on the amount of grass on the farm currently. A great way to determine this is to look at the cover on the first three fields we've grazed. This will help us to narrow down the date we are aiming to start the second rotation. We would like about 700 kgs of dry matter on these first three fields. To calculate what will be on these fields on the 10th of April, we can do a simple calculation. We have six days left in March, and we would expect a growth rate of about 20 kgs of dry matter per hectare. So if we have six by 20, we have 120 kgs of dry matter extra growth on these fields at the end of March, and in April, then, we have another 10 days. So we would expect a growth rate of around 30 kgs. So that would be 30 by 10 days is 300. So if we go 120 in March and another 300 in April, that will give us a total of 420. So we'll add this onto the current grass in that field of 700 kgs of trimatter. So this would say we'd be going into these fields with a cover of just over 1,100. We'd be happy with this. If we have higher covers in the fields currently, we can speed up and move our rotation date slightly closer. However, if we have lower covers, we need to make sure we slow down our rotation, set our targets of what we can graze per week, and it is important that we do not leave the average farm cover drop too low or below 550 kgs of dry matter.
2: Planning the amount of silage, I mean, silage is going to be expensive to produce this year, so I would imagine we'd have to watch the quality of the silage very closely. But planning the amount of silage we would need in theory to have in stock to feed our animals through the 2022 23 winter. Any idea at all, even in round figures, of what kind of uh, figure we need in terms of silage? Because I know some farms with the fertilizer prices, some farms, the only fertilizer quote they'll be having will be slurry. But uh, talking about silage and uh, the, the amount we need to see the stock through the winter.
1: Yeah, so I suppose now is a good time, I suppose we can first start r- reviewing the silage stock that we have left in the yard. So this is varying hugely, some with a pit left over and some with very little left over, nearly, nearly seeing the back wall. So I suppose the next step then is to complete the fodder budget first. This will calculate the required feed for the plant stock numbers over the winter period. So to do this, a dairy cow will eat roughly 1.6 tonnes per animal per month of silage. 0 to 1-year-olds are going to eat 0. 0.7 of, of a ton of silage per month, and 1 to 2-year-olds and 2 years plus will eat 1.3 tons. So once we have the amount of silage needed for one month, we'll multiply by the winter expected on the farm. So this will vary depending on the location of the farm, the land type. But look, roughly a safe figure we often go by is a 5-month winter, and this would do us for a wet spring or a dry spring, whatever came our way. From this, we aim to get our area for our first cut silage, and we'd aim for five tonne of dry matter per hectare um, for the requ- with the required land we need.
2: Fertilising ground for silage, Marie. Yes,
1: yeah, so I suppose most ground for the silage now is going to be closed up over the next few weeks, so we need to keep the amount of, sil- of fertiliser that we need, we need to be looking for it at the moment. So I suppose we aim to- for five tonne of dry matter per hectare or 10 tonne fresh weight per acre. For this, we are recommending 100 kgs of nitrogen per hectare This is roughly 80 units per acre. 20 kgs of phosphorus, this is 16 units per acre, or 125 kgs of potassium, and this converts over to 100 units per acre. So we need to bear in mind this um, potassium, we don't want high case silage in the spring, and we don't want mid-fever. So we don't want to spread more than 72 units per acre of potassium in the spring. The rest of it is going to be spread... To be spread after we've cut the first cut of silage. So we maintain the crop at the start and we'll top it up afterwards. The previous recommendations for nitrogen was 125 kgs per hectare. So this is 100 units. So this year we're pulling this back to the 80 units per hectare. The reason for pulling this back is the first 80 kgs of nitrogen will deliver 75% of the grass yield. The next 20 kgs will deliver the next 20% of grass. So the final 20 kgs of nitrogen we're going to Avoid putting that out this year with the fertilizer cost, as it is generally not paying, as there is little response for it. So slurry is very valuable for our silage ground. We would like to have targeted 3,000 gallons of slurry. So like you said, John, we want to maximize the slurry that's on our farm. So we'd aim to put out 3,000 gallons per acre of slurry on the silage ground with low emission slurry spreading. So this will deliver our P and K requirement and about 30 kgs of nitrogen also. One week after putting this out, we will aim to apply the remaining nitrogen and sulfur to the crop. We need about 20 kgs of sulfur, so we'll apply the nitrogen in the form of urea plus sulfur or maybe can plus sulfur. If we need a compound to get our P's and K's, we need to bear in mind that we are covering the demand of the crops mentioned earlier and do not deplete the ground. Response is high in April or May, so we want to drive on to maximize our first cut silage.
2: Events uh, of importance which our listeners would find uh, interesting or informative.
1: Yeah, so I suppose the next um, event that will be coming on is next um, Tuesday night at half past seven. There's a Cork East dairy breeding event. So this is going to be um, online, and we're going to have a number of different speakers. We're going to be covering anything from bull selection, timing of AI, sex semen, and management and breeding of heifers. So the speakers for the day are going to be George Childs, the dairy specialist, Stephen Moore, the research technologist in Moorpark, and Fargal O'Mahony, who is a dairy advisor on the Chagas Dairy Gold Giant Programme.
2: Thank you very much indeed, Miss Marie Flynn, Business and Technology Dairy Advisor, Chagas Advisory Office, Moorpark, Foy. Thank you very much indeed, Marie. Thanks a million. No bother. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. And that's Farm Talk. I'm John O'Connor. My thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig, for contributing to the program, including production. And a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in.
0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?